The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, greetings from the Peppa Studios on Florida's Sun Coast. Before we get started, I want to give a warm welcome to our new family at WXCM-FM. Keep on keeping on with your pets. And remember, we want to help you take better care of your four-legged family members. So please send us your comments, questions, and pics at email at team at thepetbuzz.com or tweet or post to the Pet Buzz social media channels. We want to hear from you, not just from our new affiliate, but from all of you. Well, just to remind you, National Dog Day is next week on August 26th. This is a day that celebrates all dogs, mixed breed and pure. The mission of the day is to help galvanize the public to recognize the number of dogs that need to be rescued each year and acknowledges family dogs and dogs that work selflessly each day to save lives, keep us safe and bring comfort. So on this day, this year, we encourage you to help shelters by gathering up gently used items such as toys, that's dog toys, blankets, collars, and leashes, or anything on that particular shelter's wish list, including pet food and litter, and drop them off at your local shelter for National Dog Day. That's going to be August 26th. Now, let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. Four, in segment four, we have our annual chat with Jill Gonzalez, the analyst and spokesperson for WalletHub.com, about their yearly financial analysis of the top pet-friendly cities in America. Keep your wallet close when you listen to this segment. Well, in three, in this portion of the show, as the dynamic pet duo, we talk with veterinarians Dr. Benjamin and Lynette Hart about when is the right time to spay and neuter your dog. Just so you know, the concept of one-size-fits-all doesn't apply to dogs here. You definitely don't want to miss this. And in two, here you'll find the latest in celebrity gossip by me, petronologist Charlotte Reed, and Dr. Fleck will be laying down his weekly Flex facts, his musings about happenings, ideas, and occurrences in his practice, all of which he wants to share with you. And in segment one, according to a study released in June by Colorado State University, it revealed that women are less likely to swipe right or say yes to men if they're posing with a cat in a picture. But have no fear, cat lovers. There's a dating app for you, and it's called Tabby. And joining us today to talk about Tabby is its launcher, Nathan Keene. Keene is an actor living in Los Angeles and lives with four cats and has almost a half a million followers between Instagram and TikTok. Nathan works closely with and promotes cat rescue groups such as Milo's Sanctuary and Special Needs Cat Rescue and the nonprofit Cat Cafe Lounge. Nathan, Charlotte, and I are pleased to welcome you to the Pet Bus today. And learn about Tabby, of course. And learn about Tabby, of course. Oh, thanks, Dr. Fleck. Thanks, Charlotte. I appreciate you guys having me on. So is it true, Nathan, that girls have turned their nose up at you because you're a cat lover and was this the inspiration for the Tabby app? Oh, it's absolutely happened on more than one occasion. So this is definitely what led to us 
creating Tabby. And, you know, Nathan, you haven't seen Nathan, but Nathan's a good-looking guy, Dr. Fleck. <laughs> I mean, he just had in the picture that I saw, he's, you know, like, turns, like, doing a shoulder shot, and he's got the cat. Like, and, so he's definitely good-looking. And they good turned looking. their nose up at him. I know. I don't get it. Okay. I don't, you know, maybe it's like, you're in L.A., right, Nathan? Maybe yeah. It's no, the L- but you're not from L.A., though, are you? No, um, I'm actually from Colorado, uh, and then I actually moved to uh, New York for modeling and then L.A. for acting. See, I told you he's good looking, so yeah, I don't know yeah. why girls would turn there. So, I'm going to ask a question. So, why do you think people have a problem with men who pose with cats in online profiles? Yeah, they did a study showing that, you know, that uh, showed that, yeah, women swipe left on guys with cats. And honestly, the only thing I can think is that it's the negative stereotype. I, I don't think people have spent enough time with cats, and they just kind of see the, the media portrayal of crazy cat ladies and you know, every time a trash can gets knocked over, you hear an alley cat run away. I think that's all people think about. I think once people get to know cats more, and hopefully this app will do that, people will realize that cat lovers are really kind, compassionate people, you know, no different than other people. But I, I think it's just a bad stereotype and a bad stigma that's been portrayed through the media for years. And I think it's just something we need to break. Yeah. So here's my take on it, because I think this is important for a health consideration. You know, six times as many people are allergic to cats than dogs. So I wouldn't mind seeing a guy with a cat because if I was allergic, I could just eliminate him right away. Because nine times out of ten, if I went on a date and I was allergic, I would start sneezing and getting sick right away if I was a cat lover. So I think, you know, that's it's lifestyle choices. So I think it's a good idea people pose with a pet. What do you think, Dr. Fleck? Everybody, it goes across the board, everybody with their, their lifestyles that owns cats and guy guys, you know. I'm talking to a man who had a dog named Studley. Need I say more? Okay, <laughs> like whatever. Well, he's talking about his good looks. I got to bring out something about me. Well, I talked about his good looks. I know, but, you know, you set <laughs> okay. me on fire here. What am I going to do? Okay, we, we can talk about your good looks if you okay. want. Okay, well, well, we'll, we'll pass. Get into it. I, have, I haven't personally seen you, but I, I'm sure you're a handsome dude, right? Oh, my God, this is turning yeah, to be you're a, a, handsome a love se- fest here. You're a handsome senior, Dr. <laughs> Fleck. Okay, on that note, your ego is Oh, okay, let's move on. Let's move on. on. I'm beginning to feel uncomfortable okay, here. Here we go. go. Okay, so why do can owners need their own app? Well, I mean, like you said, uh, it really is a lifestyle uh, having a cat. You know, you need to make sure that people know how to treat your cats and stuff like that. And with all the negative stereotypes and people being rejected, you know, we, we really need our own app where we can just say, oh, this person has cats or they love cats. They get it. I don't have to worry about them rejecting me. I don't have to worry about them hating my cats. They know how they should know how to treat cats. So it really just kind of eliminates a big issue that cat lovers have in the dating community. It just gets that out of the way, and then you can move on to... The hi, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It doesn't have to start off with, ooh, I'm actually a cat girl. I can't really... This isn't going to work. You know, we can skip past that and move on to hobbies and what you like to do in your spare time, things what like that. What restaurants do you like to go to? Okay, got exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, very cat-centric. Okay, so tell us about Tabby. What are we going to find when we download the app? And what can we do there? Well, uh, I mean, once you open up the app, I mean, first of all, so um, Tabby is part of the Pet Innovation Network, which is powered by Purina. So it's it's basically their way of using technology to strengthen the bond with, you know, pet pets and their humans, basically. So 
we're using this in the profile, you'll actually be able to put specific things about your cats. You can put whether they're allowed on the counter, whether they're allowed to sleep in bed with you, all these cool things and features to let people know, like, this is how I treat my cat, you know, so going into it, people aren't blind to how you treat your pet. And it'll just make sure that you find somebody who's going to make sure they take care of your pet the way you take care of your pet, which is a huge thing that I think has been overlooked is, you know, you start dating someone and they they don't take care of your pet and that becomes a huge problem. So this app is going to be great. You'll have a whole part about you, which is important, and then a whole section to talk about what your cat's like, how your cats are treated, and people can see if your cats are going to get along with their cats. I mean, it's really making sure that you're not just worrying about your connection, but your connection and their connection to your pets. Awesome. What a great way to go. If they don't care, they're gone. Exactly. Out the door. <laughs> hey, you know what? This was so much fun. Thanks for joining us today. And I'm sure a lot of people are really interested in this out there. Yeah, it's been doing really well. And we've been getting a really great response. I've had so many people just say, thank you for this. I've been waiting for this for a long time. So it's really great. Awesome. Well, everyone, that was Nathan Keen of the Tabby app, who's owned by Diggs. So if you're a cat lover, check it out. You never know who or what you're going to find on this new kind of cat-tastic <laughs> app, I think. So more of the pet buzz coming up in a buzzworthy moment. Later on in the show, find out when to spay and to neuter your pet. Now, that is a really big question that people ask Dr. Fleck and myself all of the time. Every day. So the newest research, we're going to reveal that for you. But first, celebrity pet gossip and, of course, Flex Facts. Be right back. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. 
Pets show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petronologist Charlotte Reed. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with celebrity pet news. So more and more photos of coyotes are appearing on local social media sites as sightings appear to be on the rise, not just here in Florida where we are, but everywhere. And if you're a pet owner, you need to be careful about leaving your pet outside alone. A former Today Show host knows this better than anyone. Not such a long time ago, Meredith Vieira told Jill Rappaport, both who, as you know, worked on NBC's show today. Like I said, Meredith Vieira told Jill Rappaport on her pet theme podcast that Vieira's dog Jasper was attacked by a coyote. Meredith immediately suspected something was wrong when she came back home from a walk with a friend and Jasper stood rigidly staring at her. When she went to him, she noticed his fur was all matted with blood and he snapped at her, which the dog never does. A veterinarian told Meredith that Jasper's injuries were most likely from a fight with a coyote and that the 16-year-old dog had suffered a broken jaw, two teeth ripped out, and deep puncture wounds, which led to numerous staples in his abdomen. So you don't want this to happen to your dog, cat, or any other pet. And of course, if your pet does survive the attack, the veterinary bills can be astronomical, as you can only imagine. While outside, supervise your pets, even if you have a fence. And you know, I'm going to add one more thing. Okay. So I was out in the yard this morning. And I was out there with uh, my lawn guy, the person who cuts my grass, and we saw a hawk go by. And you know, Wally is nine pounds. <laughs> so you want to make sure that no hawk comes in and sweeps up your pet. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Like on that movie with Betty White and Sandra Bullock yep. and Rock, you know, the hawk took the puppy away. Yep. 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 Yeah. So I'm more laughing Funny, but not it. so funny. Funny, but not so funny. Okay. So now what we have all been waiting for, our weekly segment, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers. I want the truth. It's going to take long. You got the time. So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about why... It is important to have a complete veterinary examination after you adopt a dog from a shelter or rescue group, and how it is important those first few weeks to notice the overall health, including behavior of the dog that you're adopting. Okay. So now before I go into this, let me tell you that Charlotte and I strongly support the shelters and rescue organizations including specific breed rescue groups. So that's real important as we, we talk about this. So while we appreciate and applaud the efforts of many shelters around the world, especially in our country, not all shelters have advanced and expensive machinery or equipment to perform full health checks on their adoptable dogs and cats before they're placed in their forever homes. And so, they also don't have a history necessary medically about right. what so, they're doing. So why is all this important? It's important because although you may have thought you found the dog of your dreams, he may have underlying health conditions that you can't cope with or afford. Okay. So give me an example, for example. Recently, a young man came into my office uh, with a pit bull mix, 
cute little dog. It was so obvious that he loved this dog. I remember him. He was cute, too. Yep. And, and the his, client. And the his, dog was cute. And his dog was only was two years old, still puppyish. Okay. And he told me that he loved the dog and it played really hard. Okay. Then the client had noticed that the dog occasionally limped and whimpered about its back right leg and occasionally held it up. Okay. So after administering an x-ray, I told him that the dog had an older injury, which happened to be a spiral fracture of the femur, and it seemed to be healing, but we really needed to get on to the specialist, the bone specialist, to make sure that the dog didn't need any repairing surgery. This particular client did do that, decided to see the specialist, and had to go through an expensive additional corrective surgery. So that's exactly what you're talking about. So maybe the shelter that he got the dog from didn't have the x-ray equipment to really find out what was wrong with him. So it's a really good idea that he eventually brought the dog to you and he thought the dog was fine. Yeah. I mean, I saw the whole examination Yeah. and it turned out that, and it wasn't like the dog was constantly whimpering or holding the leg up. It happened occasionally. Okay. So let's talk about it, uh, another trend that we're seeing. A lot of people adopting older dogs. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm seeing this trend a lot now. So this move is, it's, it's being very kind to the dog and it's kind people that are adopting these older pets, especially these older dogs. They want to give them a good home as a senior pet so that their last few years can be spent in a loving home enjoying a life and then having a strong level of security. But like old folks, senior dogs have a lot of ailments and need a lot of health care. For example, I had a client who was very conscious about her money. She adopted an older Yorkie that she had spent about four months with before finding out the dog had a serious heart condition and needed expensive meds. Although she grew to love the dog very much, she lived on a fixed income, which in, which she had to spend on meds for herself as well. She could not afford the meds for the dogs. To her dismay, she had to return the dog to the shelter. I remember that too. But she also really didn't do her research when she got the dog. She right. knew it had a heart condition, but she didn't know how much the medication was. And that those meds were expensive. Yes. So I have a story for you because this is, it's a personal story. So a friend of mine and her mother adopted a Maltese from a local animal shelter. And the, and once they brought the dog home, it was peeing all over the house. It was a cute little dog. It was about three years old. It turned out the dog, maybe, no, I'm sorry. It was about five years old. It turned out that the dog had Cushing's disease and that's the symptoms, peeing all over the house. Well, the shelter didn't tell them or it was omitted from the dog's paperwork. And they found out much later when a local paper did a story on the mother adopting an old, you know, a dog as a, you know, she, the mother was a senior and they adopted the dog. And it was shocking because they just didn't know. They found out, like I said, when the paper did a story and the vet was quoted in the story that it was so wonderful that the dog that had an ailment got adopted. So let's just say after everything was said and done, that the shelter ended up paying for the meds and they're still paying for the meds because they probably wouldn't have taken the dog if they knew that the dog had had Cushing's. Okay. So, I mean, these are good examples of what we're talking about. 
And again, Charlotte and I, are, we want to emphasize that we support shelters and rescue groups. They just have limitations. And we just want you to be careful and make sure you have the time and finances to take care of a dog that might have an ailment that is not visible to the eye at the time of adoption. You do your research so you know what the time commitment, the course of health action needed, and potential financial obligations. And I think that's a really good point, that you take the time. Well, Dr. Fleck, anything else? That's all the Flex Facts for this week. Awesome. Well, stick around more of the Pet Buzz very soon. Up next, learn when the right time to spay and neuter your dog is later on. Bet you can't wait for my I Like You of the Week. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. My Ilikey of the Week is about Golden Road Brewing. I like what they're doing to help rescue dogs for National Dog Day. So Golden Road Brewery, which is in L.A., is offering to send adoptable dogs along to help deliver its beer, Hazy Pop IPA, on National Dog Day. Customers who donate $50 to the dog rescue wags and walks through Golden Pond's Hazy Pop dot beer website will receive two six packs of beer a discount on a future purchase from the brewery and another surprise item they will also be visited by two or three pups or dogs their new beer hazy pup ipa has a light juicy body and a crisp finish with a tropical and citrus taste that's according to the brewer well, sounds refreshing and perfect for the end of the summer season. Well, to keep things safe, there will be a hand sanitizer at the mobile 10 by 10 puppy playpen where customers can spend 20 minutes with the dogs. The brewery is requiring customers to wear face masks during the puppy playtime, and they must social distance from the human delivery crew. Well, deliveries can be booked. That's if you're in L.A., of course, on National Dog Day, August 26th and August 27th through the 29th, according to the brewery. This service will only be available, like I said, in parts of Los Angeles where Golden Road is based. You know, one question that both Dr. Fleck and myself are asked more and more frequently over the last few years is when to spay and neuter my dog. A new 10-year study 
by researchers at the University of California, Davis, examined 35 dog breeds and found vulnerability from neutering. And the age at which they are neutered varies greatly depending on the breed. Joining us today are veterinarians Dr. Benjamin Hart and Lynette Hart. Dr. Benjamin Hart is Distinguished Professor Emeritus at the School of Veterinary Medicine, University of California, Davis. Dr. Lynette Hart is Professor of Population Health and Reproduction, also at the School of Veterinary Medicine, University of California, Davis. Dr. Hart and Dr. Hart, Charlotte and I would love to welcome you to the show today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, Dr. Lynette, let's start out with you. Why do most American dog owners choose to spay or to neuter their dogs at an early age of about six months? Well, first of all, people love dogs, and they've heard about euthanasia of dogs in shelters, so they dream of rescuing, saving a dog. And one way to do that is a dog from a shelter, and another is to neuter the dog early so it doesn't create puppies. But most people don't know that we are not creating enough dogs in this country, so we actually import over a million dogs every year to replace the dogs that die each year in this country. Wow. I didn't even know that. Holy smokes. Wow. Where are these, where are these dogs coming from other than Puerto Rico? Uh, mostly from Asia, a lot of them from Korea. So it's actually creating a market for export of dogs from Korea because we import so many. So, Dr. Ben, let's talk about your new study. From what I understand, it involved 35 dog breeds. Can you tell us about it, and what did your results reveal? We knew that there was some information out there in the literature about the adverse effects of a spay or neuter in some instances, and um, increases some joint disorders or cancers. But it wasn't very useful to veterinarians because it didn't list anything with any breeds or sex or even age of neutering. It was just kind of there. So we decided to, to um, start off with golden retrievers. Then we went to Labrador retrievers, German shepherd dogs. And by the time we did those and published on those separately, we realized better we better do a 35 breeds as one we have the most information on. So that um, what that the bottom line, what that told us when we finished that after a 10-year project, that there were major breed differences, huge breed differences. And some dogs didn't make any difference when you spayed or neutered them. As a matter of fact, most of them. But others made a big difference. Wow. So that's the bottom line. Wow, I can't wait till I talk to I my know, colleagues like, at the, my next monthly meeting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so you had a question for Dr. Lynette, Dr. I did. Black. What did the study reveal about joint disorders? Well, we found that most dogs are unaffected by the age of neutering. But some of the larger breeds are highly affected, especially the working breeds that we really care about because things like cranial cruciate, ligament tear, or hip dysplasia, or elbow dysplasia, the chance of having one of those might be increased three or four times by early neutering. In some of the breeds that are most useful to people with disabilities, like the German Shepherds, the Labrador Retriever, the Golden Retriever, and some other large breeds. Did the sex of the dog sometimes make a difference in the health risk when surgical sterilization? Yeah, the sex made a difference, for sure. There's 
slight differences between the sexes, and that's why we've produced our whole data set with profiles for each one of the breeds, and you can actually look at those data. Some of them are almost significant and not quite significant, so people will be very interested in scrutinizing those numbers when they're making their decision and make, weighing the, the trade-offs of delaying or not delaying. You know, that's interesting because so many people have adopted dogs, especially during COVID-19. And most of the times when you get a dog from a shelter, it's already spayed and neutered as a puppy or an adult. So that decision is already taken away from you. I'm trying to to gain some some guidance for myself and my colleagues when we're making recommendations because I see a ton of new puppies every week. So if I were to use a, a guideline and my colleagues also, I'm thinking that if I if I'm going to have a smaller dog, you know, twenty to thirty pounds maximum or less than that, it's probably okay to to spay at six months or eight months. But if they're going to be larger, then they should be spayed maybe after a year of age, or they should be neutered after a year of age. Am I am I gaining that? I, I would guide? agree with you completely. Based on our research, our evidence-based research, and uh, it took us ten years to gather that research, but I think you're absolutely right. Wonderful. That's going to make life so much easier for me because I do get these studies back that talk about joint issues or uh, urinary tract issues, not developing, blah blah blah. And in almost in all cases, I've been recommending if they're smaller dogs to do the earlier spaying and neutering and later on to do the spaying or neutering in the larger dogs. So I think I've been lucky and been doing it right. Created some confusion and some challenges, I think, in the veterinary profession, as Dr. Fleck asserted, because if you neuter the dog while it's a tiny little puppy, it's a very inexpensive procedure with a quick recovery. It's a more challenging procedure for an older dog that costs more and has a longer recovery. So these are all things that you weigh into the decision-making. Exactly. And that is, let's leave the interview there because I think that's a great point. One last question. What's next? Is there another study planned? More breeds. We just finished one on next breed. Uh-huh. And uh, what we're going to try to think about doing next is, you know, that people know that some of the older dogs, develop cognitive dysfunction. And we know that early neutering may play a role in which dogs can get that in a magnified way than, than the unneutered dogs from a study we did way back in 2005. Great topic. I can't wait to get you back on for that topic. That's probably next to the plate. That sounds great. Well, Dr. Hart and Dr. Hart, thank you so much. What was so enlightening and it's great. We just want to be able to be firm and understanding for our pet owners so that they have good direction, oh, yeah. too. Well, thank you. So fun for us. We yeah. appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Well, everyone, that was veterinarians Dr. Benjamin Hart and Dr. Lynette Hart of the School of Veterinary Medicine, University of California, discussing when it's appropriate to spay and to neuter our dogs. Up next, Jill Gonzalez of Wallet Hub, breaking pet-friendly cities down financially. You don't want to miss this.
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Petronologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Well, it's time for global pet news. North Korean dictator Kim Jong un has ordered pet dogs to be confiscated in the country's capital, saying that pooches represent Western decadence. Dog owners fear Fido is really headed for the dinner table. Kim issued the directive in July to round up the pets, claiming they were part of the tainted trend of bourgeoisie ideology. It seems that ordinary people raise pigs and livestock on their porches, but high-ranking officials and the wealthy own pet dogs, which has stoked some resentment among the lower classes. That's what the sources say. Authorities have also identified households with pet dogs and are forcefully confiscating them and putting them down. But while the oppressive regime says the move is to clamp down on capitalist extravagance, the dog owners are fearful that North Korea's food shortage and propensity for eating dog meat, the directive has only one outcome, which is to feed the masses. Dog owners are really upset, as you can imagine. But otherwise, what can they do? They're in North Korea. Now let's move on with our last guest. Well, to many of us, pets are family, even if they're covered in fur, feathers, or scales. Animal companionship is a great stress reliever, especially during the social isolation caused by COVID-19. Naturally, nearly 85 million households in the U.S. that own a pet want to live in places where their beloved companions can enjoy long, healthy lives without breaking the bank. And joining us today about America's most pet-friendly cities is Jill Gonzalez, an analyst and spokesperson for Wallet Hub. Greetings, Jill, and welcome back to the Pet Buzz. Thanks for having me back. You know, we're really excited to learn about your annual Pet-Friendly Cities report this year. Well, before we get started, Jill, what's different about this report as compared to last year? Any new data? So the data is obviously just updated for this year. The metrics are more or less the same, looking at pet budget, pet health and wellness, and outdoor pet friendliness. Okay. So, Jill, how do you all compare the cities? What are the top five key metrics of the 25 that you utilize to produce the yearly report? So we looked at those three categories mentioned. I would say some of the top would be 
this year more than ever, looking at coronavirus restrictions and looking at what people can do outside, if pet parks are open, everything like that. So that's certainly new and that was given triple weight this year. But we also look at things like veterinary care costs, that's important, uh, pet insurance premiums, veterinarians per capita in terms of access, and animal shelters per capita. Interesting. Well, Jill, since so many people adopted dogs from shelters during the COVID crisis, that we're still in, of course, we're curious about animal shelters. Just the other day, we were talking about, when we were, Dr. Fleck and I were reviewing the report, we wanted to know where the highest and lowest number of animal shelters per capita. Right now, in terms of the most animal shelters per capita, those are in St. Louis, San Diego, Chicago, Atlanta, and Austin. It's about 20 times more in those cities than, say, Laredo, Texas, Chula Vista, California, Newark, New Jersey, Henderson, Nevada, and Anaheim, California. Hmm. Wow. Newark. I would think there would be a lot of, like, <laughs> animal shelters there. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it's a very I urban It's a very urban city. I think we all have different perceptions. Sure. <laughs> so talk to us about your results. Uh, what is the most pet-friendly city that can be financially rewarding for a pet owner? And what is the least pet-friendly city in the country for pet owners? So right now, the most pet-friendly city is Tampa, Florida, uh, Austin, Texas, and Las Vegas. Nevada rounds out the top three as far as being pet-friendly in terms of cost, a lot of animal shelters, all of those metrics we talked about. And the three least-friendly include, they're actually all in California, they include Santa Ana, San Bernardino, and Fresno. Gosh, we're in the best pet-friendly area. Right? In Tampa, which is only 45 minutes away from our studio. Yeah, it's probably the whole Tampa Bay area. Well, since COVID is a new normal, many veterinarians across the country have reported that they've been busier than ever. Right, Dr. Flack? Oh, my gosh. So give us a rundown about the lowest and the highest veterinary cost. Yeah, as far as the lowest veterinary cost, smaller cities went out here, so or at least smaller cities compared to bigger ones. But Corpus Christi, Texas, has the lowest vet care costs in the country, followed by Stockton, California, Winston, Salem, North Carolina, Lincoln, Nebraska, and Memphis, Tennessee. All of those places have the cost of, say, veterinary care in Boston, in New York, in Newark, in Plano, Texas, and Washington, D.C. actually has the highest cost. Wow, all those diplomats, they want you to pay, pay, pay. <laughs> and they continue to want us to pay, pay, pay. They're trying They're hard. Trying. So, Jill, as you know, less than 2% of Americans are covered by pet insurance. So, Jill, tell us what your report reveals. Uh, as far as health insurance goes for pets alone, that can exceed upwards of $200 per year for a dog. There are reports on whether it's worth it or not. And even if you, you know, rent an apartment with an animal, you can expect to pay hundreds or thousands more for a pet deposit fee and rent every month. So there are certainly added costs here. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's just not moving. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. you know, it's expense. It's another expense. I mean, it's the same thing like, you know, and you've heard me say this. I think people who have dogs really should have dog bite insurance as or, part of their home. Catastrophic. Insurance. Well, in case their dog gets that's away buy, or bites someone, especially sure. if you have an older sure. dog, or even sure. if you have a small dog, you know, biters are biters. 
and things happen. Or if you have kids come over to your house and your dog maybe nips that person. I mean, so at least have that kind of insurance that would take care of right. catastrophic events. Right. But yeah, it just doesn't seem like as many pet insurance companies that are in the United States, it doesn't seem like there's movement in that area. Okay. Well, lastly, what measures can local authorities take in order to make their cities more pet friendly? I mean, cost is one thing, but what can other people do? It's a good question. I mean, there are so many, especially for your authorities to do, um, making sure that there's safe access to designated public spaces which I think is harder in some cities than others. And I think is more important now that, you know, being inside is hard, Uh, but also passing hot car laws, passing anti-tethering laws, increasing penalties for animal cruelty. More cities I think should become no kill shelter cities. So there are so many different things that local authorities can do in some cities more than others that still have yet to be done. You know, Jill, as usual, and we really appreciate the valuable information that you provide, thank you for joining us today. Anytime. Thanks again. Well, that was Jill Gonzalez, an analyst and spokesperson for WalletHub, talking about a recent pet financial analysis of the top pet-friendly cities in America. To learn more about the report, visit WalletHub.com. Don't even worry about trying to get everything I said, because I'm going to put it up on our social media channels. And you guys can check it out from there. Find out if you live in a pet-friendly city or maybe because of this COVID crisis, more and more people are moving. Maybe one of the cities that she talked about or in this report is someplace that you might want to think about uh, moving. So tweet or post to us at the Pet Buzz. Send a picture of your pooch and tell us why your city is financially rewarding and a pet-friendly place to live. So it's time to wrap the show. Oh, my gosh. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Well, as you know, it's always too soon to wrap the show. It is? It's already time to wrap? I know. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about the importance of washing paws after your pet plays outside. we got to talk about more COVID because that's really, really important. Absolutely. Dr. Fleck, why don't you give special thanks to our guests who are on the show today? Special thanks to our guests today, Nathan Keene. Doctors Lynn and Benjamin Hart and Jill Gonzalez. And of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you go to the website, you will be able to get a 25% discount on EpiPet products. Just put in the pet buzz as the code. Great deal for great products. So if you have any questions, though, write us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. We'll cover it on our next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the Linked Podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember that we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.